are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to another Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. He is Matt Moore, senior NBA writer at the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. And we are here to bring you Locked On NBA Thursday, where hopefully this is your first listen of the day. We would sincerely appreciate it if you make this make this show your first listen of the day, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, wherever you listen to your podcasts, or the brand new Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Matt. Are you ready to dive into what what I can only imagine is going to be a lot of overreactions on our behalf uh, as far as preseason basketball is concerned? It's preseason. Get excited. Oh, my God. Jalen Green's going to be a Hall of Famer, and Alvin Shagoon's going to be inducted with him. And also, the Pelicans were terrible, but now they're okay now. It's it's preseason, Jackson. It's it's amazing time uh, for overreactions. I'm just the roller coaster. It just goes up and down all throughout preseason. It's a, it's a great time of year for basketball fans. It is. So I actually wanted to talk to you about this. I wanted to get your sense of when you watch preseason basketball, what are the things that you look for and what are the things that you try to avoid getting impacted by? Because I always think that uh, as you watch basketball, it's very easy for you to pick up things and notice things and then think they're meaningful because you notice them, but that's confirmation bias. So I'm curious when you watch a preseason game, one chooses to do so. And I'm assuming if you're listening to locked on NBA, you're watching preseason and God love you for it. What are the things that you actually look for when you're watching a preseason game? So I think you kind of have to separate it into two factors here for me, at least personally is when you're watching preseason basketball, I think there's two very distinct categories. You've got the teams that are kind of just kind of treating it as like extended training camp, just kind of going through the motions, the more veteran teams, right. Who have, you know, championship late playoff run aspirations, those kinds of things. And I think those teams at times you can look at them and they're definitely, you know, they're going 70, 80%. If that with some of their star players, they've got guys who are resting. They're not trotting out their full lineups. And then you've got the inverse of that, where you've got the young teams, the teams who are in the midst of rebuilding, who are trying to really see what they have as far as talent is concerned. And those teams tend to be the ones that they're trotting out their full blown lineups, the same ones, the same starting five that they're probably going to have throughout the majority of the regular season at times um, because they're really trying to see what they actually have to work with and they're actively working to develop and grow this you know their young talent and work on schemes and getting these players up to speed at the NBA level so I think there's definitely two sides of the preseason coin to look at so it really just kind of depends on which team you're focusing on it's interesting because I take a little bit more of a holistic approach in that I think it's coach by coach too like you can have a coach with a young team that's like no, like we're going to install most of our stuff in the regular season because that's the only way for me to really teach you. Um, and likewise, you may have like teams that know what they're doing, be like, no, no, no we're doing something different this year. We got to get this right. So it kind of depends on where the coaching staff is and where the team is. Um, I pay a lot of attention. I got to admit, I, I pay a lot of attention to body language. Like that's kind of uh, a no-no in the modern age of like you shouldn't infer and you shouldn't assume and like all these type of things. But I feel like as human beings – we can tell if somebody is having fun and we can tell if two people are communicating and we can tell how they're interacting and how they feel about one another based off of those interactions. Like we do that all the time in our daily life. It's common thread. And for me, like, I want to know, are, are your guys connected? Do they seem like they're having fun? Which I know that this is like, it, it's not supposed to be fun. It's work, but basketball is better when guys are having fun. It's more of a thing than I think that people realize that that joy element is a really big factor. So like, I'm always paying attention to those things. Like the wolves the other night, 
and their preseason opener looked like they just like were having a blast. And we're like, oh man, this is fun. Like this team feels a little bit different. Like you tell it, like, the feeling for that team was a little bit different. But I don't cover the team day to day. So I, there is that kind of gap. How much do you ascribe to how a team looks in preseason in terms of, uh, for lack of a better term, whether or not the vibes are immaculate? <laughs> hey, I mean, when the vibes are immaculate, everything's great. No, I mean, I feel like it's kind of tough because, again, preseason is that time of year where you get everybody back under one roof. Everybody's fresh off of their you know summer vacations and everything. So I feel like there should be an element of, okay, when everybody's finally back together, you just wrapped up training camp the vibes should be good. So if you look at a team in preseason and like you can tell pretty distinctly that things aren't looking good or that there might be some question marks about how, you know, certain guys are interacting or if players are already kind of hanging their heads a little bit, you know, not super engaged in what's going on, be it offensively, defensively, whatever, just anything that's happening on the floor. I think that can be a cause of concern because this should be a time of year where it's a fresh start, a fresh page for everybody on the, on the team, new beginnings, that kind of thing. So I think it's, I don't think you're you're overstepping your bounds to try and read into the body language aspect of it. I think it's just tough because at times we only have so much access to certain, you know, to to these players to a certain extent, right? And we're just looking at things through, you know, oftentimes a TV camera, which does not tell the whole story, right? You might get a close up, you know, face shot of a player who's extremely frustrated after one play. And then that gets blown to epic proportions, yeah. you know, all, all over the different media outlets. Is this player upset with X, Y, Z player for this one bad pass in a game? And media has a t- tendency to overblow things like that at times I feel. So that's why I'm a little bit more reserved and wanting to judge things from like a body language perspective at times. I mean, I think it's smart. I think the other thing in preseason is, um, it does help to consider that this is, I always say this, that the NBA season is three seasons. You have early season, the mid season and late season, like, and they are very different. Like these teams will all be three different teams by the end of the year. They will have gone through three different iterations of at least sometimes it's four or five. They'll have like these weird, you know, before that first injury, after the second injury, before the trade, after the trade, like all these different dynamics. So it it is kind of complicated. But one thing I like, I do kind of want to see is just how connected that team seems because it will give you at least a chance uh, to kind of analyze where they're at. And I'll also say this is, you know, look, we live in an age where there's a lot of information. So if you want to know, like if you have an, if you have a take, if you're just like, they looked like they were not on the same page, you go read up on the beat writers timeline and it may be like, you know, the guy at 2am or, you know, they were shut out of the facility for COVID or whatever else that kind of stuff I think it plays a part too. Uh, do you want to take a break? And then we can get into a little bit more talk about the exciting rookies and how great they're all going to be. <laughs> We're going to talk about future Hall of Famer Jalen Green, but I just want to add one more point to your point about the body language stuff. I do think that if if we're trying to understand more from like a team chemistry angle at times, I think that as you mentioned, right, you know, especially if you're just trying to take a peek at on a team that you're not constantly up to date with on like the full day to day, I think at times sometimes like the player interviews can be very telling on those, especially this time of year with training camp and stuff like that, trying to get a feel for how the team is you know, coalescing together and really trying to understand, okay, well, are these guys really actually enjoying their time together? Do they mesh well together? And sometimes like these one-on-one media availabilities with players, when you ask a question about, okay, well, how is, you know, how are you getting along with this player? How are you guys meshing on the court? And then their answers can be very telling at times when they're talking about like, oh yeah, that's my guy. That's my brother. Like we do all this stuff off the court together, that kind of thing. And you can really tell because those answers at times seem very genuine. And I don't think they're just blowing smoke up, you know, reporters butts just for the fun of it. So 
I think that that most of the <laughs> everybody. Let's go. <laughs> let's just go ahead and get to the next segment. Okay, well, we'll get to our next segment. Uh, but first, we got a quick message from our friends over at Sweat Block because look. When it comes to sweat, it's uncomfortable, right? It's It can cause you anxiety. It can be, you know, just if you're sweating through your shirt, it's not fun. I mean, maybe if you're working out at the gym, sure. Like, you know, get working up a good sweat there, a physical sweat, that's fine. But you don't want like, you know, to be sweating through your shirt at like a business lunch or a date or hanging out with friends. It's not great, right? Sweat Block is doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per application. They've got a dry shirt guarantee. So if Sweat Block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. No questions asked, right? Sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You basically just put it on at night before you go to bed, wake up the next morning, shower, get ready for your day, put makeup on, do your whole regular morning routine, and you're good to go throughout the day with a dry shirt guarantee. So again, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweat Block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use promo code Locked On. Also available at Amazon and CVS. So again, that's promo code Locked On for 20% off at sweatblock.com. And continuing on here at Locked On NBA Thursday as we dive into how some of the top prospects are performing through these first few preseason games. Unfortunately, we cannot overreact to one Cade Cunningham who is being held out of the preseason due to a mild, uh, mildly rolled ankle, I believe is what the uh, diagnosis was. So the Pistons just being a little uh, overly cautious with him. But last I checked, he should be good to go, hopefully, knock on wood, for the start of the regular season. Um, but we do have four other top prospects that we want to kind of take a peek at, see how they're doing between Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, uh, who am I? Scotty Barnes. There we go. And uh, Jalen Suggs, the other top four prospects. And Matt, where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with Jalen. Uh, Jalen Green. Let's start with Jalen. I was going to say which Jalen? There's two yeah, of them. Man. You got to come on. What are you doing here? Uh, let's start with Jalen Green because I think that his like he he. It's funny the stat line wasn't like crazy. Had some really nice dimes. Just some really nice passes in that first game. It's exactly what I think you wanted to see. Um. I am even more convinced he's going to be rookie of the year. Uh, it's actually, I think it's a really good sign that their offense is, seems to be moving really smoothly. It doesn't look like there's a bunch of guys that are young and inexperienced and don't know what they're doing. Like there's a level of cohesion there. And I think that that's really good. Like uh, Silas has a chance to really put his imprint on this team. And you could tell like he had comments about that, about how like last year was challenging and this year, like really being able to get in and, and do the work and, and kind of, you know, build from the ground up, even though there's a lot of work to do with the young guys. Um, thought I thought Jalen was off to a pretty good start. What'd you think? Um, I think that he is absolutely, you know, kind of finding his way. I think maybe you attribute the, again, you look at the stat line, the efficiency is not quite where you want it. Just four or 14 okay. shooting, uh, missed all six of his three pointers, but I would just kind of chalk that up to just a, a one-off bad game because I mean, he shot 37% from behind the arc in the G league. So it's not like he's a notoriously bad or a historically bad three point shooter. I'm just chalking it up to a you know a, a rough game. If you take away those those six misses, I mean he was four of eight inside the arc. He was aggressive trying to find his shot. He looked insane coming you know downhill off of some of those dribble handoff plays that were run for him uh, in transition. He was a blur, very confident with the ball in his hands. And like you like you already highlighted, I think some of the the reads that he was able to make out of certain possessions where. He kind of sucked the defense in and then was able to kick the ball out to an open shooter and kind of create some offense for his teammates. That's going to be the area of his game that I know he has right now. It's just 
reading and reacting appropriately appropriately to how the defense treats him because there were definitely a couple times where he forced some shots up where he could have definitely kicked it out and he had an open shooter or a cutter or somebody near the rim um, who he could have facilitated a pass to. But I think because of the, the struggles that he had from outside the arc, he was just kind of determined to get himself going a little bit. Um, I don't think he was tunnel visioning. I think that he was just, again, trying to really work on that. But as far as the some of the finishes that we saw out of him, I mean, his athleticism was on display. He was electric. Yeah. Uh, Steven Silas, you know, speaking to his speed and the way that he's able to get to his spots. Um, I think the, the sky is really the limit for Jalen Green. And, you know, he came out. Uh, we had the uh, NBA GM survey, right? And uh, the NBA GMs voted Jalen Green. Uh, as the most likely to win the rookie of the year this season with uh, what 47% overall voting Jalen Green uh, with yeah. Cade, coming, Cade Cunningham coming in at 40% overall. So uh, that was a bit of a shock, honestly. I didn't think Cade was going to fall that far behind Jalen Green. I thought it was going to be a slightly more neck and neck as far as the uh, the GM results went. I mean, I've been on this in Summer League. I just think that Jalen is going to put up numbers and that's going to win him rookie of the year. And Cade's stuff is all going to be uh, impact and like high level basketball IQ stuff, which is again, not to say that Jalen can't do that or doesn't do that. It's just that I don't think that Cade's impact is going to be best expressed in a box score versus I think that you're going to be able to look at the box score and be like Jalen green had a monster night. Like he just, he did a bunch of stuff. See, but um, that, and that's my thing that I need you to, can you differentiate that for me? Because you say, you know, Cade's is Cade's impact is going to be different. Yeah. You know, how do you so how do you differentiate? Like if you look at Jalen Green, who has a monster, you know, box score night, you know, 20 plus, you know, drop some dimes, get some boards. I mean, are you are you like looking at those as like empty stats then? Or how do you differentiate the two between between what Cade and Jalen are going to be doing this season? I think I do think that there are empty stats getters and like that's an unpopular opinion right now. But I've seen it enough through the years. And honestly, like there's a lot of NBA players that will talk about this kind of things. Like, yeah, he'll get the numbers, but I would just say that a lot of times uh, fans and media will ascribe somebody as being an empty stats guy. And then you have the players are like, no, 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 that guy's a bucket. And you're like, what he, how's what's the difference between the two? It's kind of ephemeral. I think um, part of it is Cade's, I think going to help a lot on the defense. I think Cade's going to control pace. I think Cade uh, is going with his versatility rebounding. Like I think he'll do a lot of the things that help you win games in terms of making like the subtle stuff, the little things, the defensive rotations showing a high basketball IQ. But I think also a lot of it is he's going to need more talent around him for his production. I think to really shine versus I think Jalen can just go out, especially with the pace of the Rockets are probably going to run. Like I think Jalen can just go out there and put up big numbers every single night. Cause he's also going to have, I think a little bit more of a green light, because there isn't a Jeremy Grant on the court and like there isn't like the approach is just a little bit different and the pace is going to be a little bit different. So again, it may be different. Like I'm open to being wrong on this where it may just be like, no, no, no. Like Jalen is just like a superstar that controls the game and he has the, the stats and the impact. Like he's a dame, right? Like that may be like evident right away. But I do think that in terms of the rookie of the year, very specifically, that is decided by numbers. Like regardless of who oh, winds sure. up being the better player or more impact, it's decided by numbers, and I think Jalen's going to have better numbers. That's really like the crux of it. Everything else, I'm like, we'll see. Like, I don't know. Like, these guys are young. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I think another player that that is going to be like that, like Evan Mobley, did not jump off the box score tonight, but he did a bunch. Of, he had, he made a couple of great rotations, like disrupted some passes, made some good moves, like moved well at the rim. He does a lot of things that I think are going to help his team long term. But I don't think he, that Evan Mobley is going to be out there dropping 25 and 15. 
the sense. way that Evan Mobley impacts defense is at, at such an elite level already. I mean, he changes shots. He forces players to really reconsider what they're doing in and around the paint. Um, I mean, he he gobbles up rebounds. I mean, you say he you say he doesn't jump off the stat sheet tonight. I mean, he had 12 boards. You know, like to me that to me that does jump off the stat sheet. Anytime I see double digit rebounds, I'm like, okay, that guy's doing something right. Like he's he's closing out defensive possessions the right way. As well as not not only that, you know, he had a few offensive rebounds in there as well. But I think the thing too that's interesting about Evan, Evan Mobley is how how fluid he is offensively and his passing game, like yeah. the ability that he has to set up his teammates. He, you, and again, you look at the box, you look at the box score only two assists, but he had some really quality passes or has had some really quality passes throughout these first two preseason games. And when I was, you know, doing my film studies on Evan Mobley going into the draft and everything kind of debating who the Rockets should pick with the number two overall selection, I was really torn and I was leaning Evan Mobley for a majority of the time leading up to the draft and eventually flipped near the end towards Jalen Green for a variety of reasons. But Evan Mobley is going to be a really unique player at the NBA level. And it's because he doesn't play like a traditional center offensively. Like you see the way he moves, how fluid he is. He's like, he's like a small forward out there. He's very, I'm going to steal this from our uh, our in-house draft expert, Richard Stamen, uh, of the uh, Locked On NBA Draft podcast, but he's like Kevin Durant, so um, the way he moves offensively, and I, I love that. I think Evan Mobley is definitely going to have a really impactful NBA career, and like you said, it just doesn't jump off the stat sheet, unfortunately. So I'm torn here. We're running out of time. I want to get to Scotty Barnes, but I also want to get to like Josh Giddy, who looked amazing and made a bunch of like really great passes. Or how about Cam Thomas, who's averaging 21 points a game or in, in one game, but, or like Trey Murphy that, that put up, you know, has put up 20 and a half in two games, shooting 40, 63% from three for Trey Murphy, my guy from summer league. Jared Butler looks amazing. Book Knight had a good, good like breakout. Like I'm very excited about this rookie class, Jackson. Like everybody looks really good right now except for Franz Wagner. Jalen Suggs didn't have such a hot night tonight either. No. So, I mean, uh, you know, and he, he's been, so, I mean, he, he had the first game where he started, then he got sat, uh, you know, in place of Cole Anthony, um, you know, comes off the bench. The second preseason game has an even more lackluster game. Unfortunately, um, had a couple dimes. I mean, but I do. I, so Jalen Suggs, you know, a couple preseason games. Again, we're not going to overreact. We shouldn't overreact. It's preseason. But you want um, to. I can hear that you want to. Oh, I know to. I want to. Well, I want to with Scotty Barnes because I think Scotty Barnes is going to be a multiple DPOY player down the line. Wow. I, I, I am so bought into the Scotty Barnes hype. Matt, I need you to understand. I think he's my he's my second favorite player out of this draft right after Jalen Green. We need to get this on social because the Raptors fans will just rush to you like in uh one of the zombie movies it'll just raptors are rockets of the north okay like i that's it's perfect like this is amazing okay let me just cultivate the raptors fan just flock to me at jt gatlin (laughs) on twitter i will stand scotty barnes until the end of time because i mean how can you not but he he really does he hits he's like a mix of uh he's like a mix between like scotty pippen and draymond i'm calling it right now okay all right (laughs) Okay, as long as we're not overreacting, that's the important thing. <laughs> no over, no overreactions here whatsoever. Um, with that, I feel like that's as good a spot to uh, move on to our, our final section where we are going to do our stock market analysis on the current situation with the Brooklyn Nets and what's going on with that. Can we call them a turbulent franchise? I feel like that's fair right now, sort of. Um, it's definitely, definitely a turbulent brand experience. 
which is what I it's, refer to them as. The, so. the fasten seatbelt sign is oh, definitely yeah. on on the Brooklyn Nets right now. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in just a second after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, if you've never had a protein bar that you actually care about, you got to check out Built Bar. They've got so many amazing flavors to offer. Raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, double chocolate. Matt, what's your favorite? I like strawberry. That's my favorite. Strawberry, another good one. My personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. Cannot go wrong with any of them on the menu, right? They're all low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's not gritty. It's not chalky like other protein bars on the market. You got to check it out, and you can do that. Just go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very next order. So again, that's promo code LOCKED15 locked for 15% off at Built.com. We're also brought to you today by BetOnline.ag. I'm on the Seahawks on Thursday night football. I have parlayed them with the Chicago Sky, who advanced to the WNBA Finals. So, going to need the Seahawks to go ahead and take care of that as a home dog on Thursday night football. Short rest, like the spot very much for the Seahawks. And if you want to get in on the action, you want to check out Bet Online. It's your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. They got a new updated site and interface. They got more odds, more props, more contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use your promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. Football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Maybe you want to get on NBA win totals. Jazz, over 51 and a half, my best bet. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Welcome back to Locked On NBA. Jackson Gatlin, Matt Moore. On this Thursday, glad to have you with us. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now, Make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, where Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free. It's available on all platforms. Go check it out. Josh Lloyd is the absolute best. It's time for Stockwatch. All right. Uh, this is our patented spot. We Every week we go through and we buy, sell, hold, short. And we're going to talk this week about the Brooklyn Nets. You know why? Because it's a mess, Jackson. It's just <laughs> a mess. Uh, all right. The latest is the Nets tried really hard as this whole thing unfolded to keep up a, a, a positive face. To be like, no, it's fine. It's okay. It's no, I'm good. No, it's totally okay. Everything is fine. They were the everything is fine dog. That's what they were when Kyrie Irving was basically like, no, I'm not going to get the shot. But you, you can't. You can't play if you don't get vaccinated. Yeah, I know. But you're a basketball player. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. So what was interesting, Jackson, there weren't a lot of reports. I went back and scoured for this. There were not a lot of reports on the Nets are constantly in communication with Kyrie. Not a lot of that. I mean, when you've got when you've got quotes from KD saying I'm envisioning Kyrie being a part of our team, like how bad is it where KD basically has to say, I hope I have I have a picture in my mind where Kyrie is here with us. It's not happening right now, but I hope it does. (laughs) Like Fingers crossed that my point guard plays basketball this season. So with that said, I have a number of things for us to buy, sell short or hold on. So I want to ask you first off. This situation with Kyrie Irving will disrupt, to some degree, the Nets' title run. Buy, sell, hold, or short. You know, I'm so torn on this because 
I really do want to buy it to a degree. But as you and I have discussed before, this Nets team, even sans Kyrie, with a healthy KD and a healthy James Harden and all the pieces around those two are still really potent. And so I still think that they can make a title run, even if Kyrie's got his Kyrie reasons for what's going oh, on. <laughs> oh, that was a zinger. I love that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to hold that one. It feels like a bit of a cop. I wanted to buy it. I'm going to hold it for now because I feel like it will have some adverse side effects, but I don't think it's going to truly hold them back from a title run in, in its entirety. I'm going to buy. I'm not like, I'm not empty in the savings account, right? I've just got some fun money to play with. You're going to spend a little beer money on it. There you go. Yeah. Like I hit a parlay at betonline.ag and I'm going to use that to go ahead and dabble on buying a little bit of this. And I'll tell you why. Um, the reason not to is that the NBA playoffs start in six months. Like that's how long the NBA season is six months. We'll barely remember this in six months, regardless of how it works out. But I'll say this. Uh, I do believe there that starting your season off with this kind of distraction is a bad sign. It's just bad vibes. Like we talked about vibes in the first segment. This is a lot of it is you don't have to get out. You can fight your way out. You can scrap and claw and get your way out back into a good place. If you start off badly, but a lot has to go right for you to win the title. Like a lot has to go right for you to win the NBA title. That's how this works. You know, we saw it last year. Things didn't go right for the Nets, obviously. And things almost didn't go right for the Bucks several times, but they eventually did. So for me, I'm buying a little bit just from the, I, I will say this. I think in my opinion, I think that there is a little bit of over assumption that how last year went is how this year is going to go where, well, they only had the guys together for eight games. So they're going to be fine. That was last year with last year's roster and last year's schedule and a really weird season. This is this year and everything is different. Like there's little changes. Jeff green's gone like small changes, right? Um, they were depending a lot more on Blake Griffin. Yikes this year. So that you, you find with, a way to bring up Blake Griffin at least once every time we record a show. It's together. Amazing to me. It's amazing to me that there's no way that nobody's like, Hey, there's like best of stuff. Defensive front court guy is Blake Griffin. Does anybody else notice that? I'm just like, I'm with like LeBron with the JR picture. Be like, Can you make an argument that's actually James Johnson and not Blake Griffin? No. Cause I know I've seen James Johnson <laughs> okay. flame out of rotations like six times in a row. Like, okay. Scary saying, I mean, they're like, it's don't like, want him to fight me, but not really confident James Johnson can hold the rotation spot. So I will tentatively buy the next one I have for you. Uh, the defense, this is related. The defense doesn't matter. Like this is literally, it doesn't matter how bad the defense is. The defense can be historically bad and the nets can and w- still will contend for an NBA title buy, sell, hold or short. I'm going to sell that one. The defense does matter. Okay. Because, and I think, you know, we talked about this, about how they found some success against the Milwaukee Bucks during that series uh, by by way of their defense, you know, at, at stre- in stretches of that series. And I do think that if Kyrie Irving is not out there, you know, for whatever amount of games, whether it's no home games, whatever, whatever the situation may be, um, if Kyrie's not out there, then they don't simply have that 
that benefit of having three superstars on the court on any given at any given night, any given game, who one, two of them, or all three of them can go supernova and go off, right? And that's my premise for why if they did have all three, then I'd be less worried about the defense because at some point, just how do you slow down that three-headed dragon? Um, but without that, you can't reasonably expect KD and James Harden to be Superman and Superman every single night. There's going to be some nights where one of them is off uh, or just has you know an average game here and there, which is still well above average for the regular NBA player, mind you. But that said, I do think they're going to have to rely on their defense a little bit more this time around in the absence of Kyrie at times. I'm going to hold because I think it only matters against certain teams. I think it's very matchup dependent. Like I think okay. that most teams, like if they face the heat, I think they can beat the heat zone defense without, and put up enough points and outpace them. Even if their defense is having trouble, like the heat offense, I think is going to be, it looked really good in, in preseason game one. I think the heat offense is going to be stops and starts. And I think they can keep pace, but not enough. Um, likewise, like the Hawks, the Hawks, I don't think can, can, outpace them right and the hawks defense is not great so that's not a worry the sixers are in a nebulous zone with ben simmons right so it doesn't really we don't know what that's going to look like maybe their defense takes a dip without having those guys without ben simmons rather um so it really just comes down to one team and that's the defending champion bucks it does matter versus the bucks it does but and suddenly though the one team with the one the team that eliminated them right yeah. you're just like yeah it kind of does matter to them yeah so. it kind of does matter but this is the whole thing is like, like the Bucks defense was so good that it was like, does the offense matter? And it was like, yes, the Bucks, the offense mattered when they came up against Toronto and Miami. So it's kind of like the same kind of, and here's part of it is we don't know if the Nets will face the Bucks. Maybe it's again, long way away. There is every reason to think that the Nets offense can be so good that they can outpace six of the p- potential seven teams they could face in the playoffs, like due to whatever matchups they are only going to face three, obviously. Um, so I will go ahead and I will hold on that, but I think it's a really interesting question of, you know, how good does the Nets defense need to be with how good their offense is? My last one for you is, so, uh, this is a little bit of a surprise for you, Jackson. Um, I'm actually on Friday at action network publishing. Uh, I've spoken to about 20 likely voters for MVP to get their preseason, not who are you picking to win it? Not, you know, who's like, you know, what, what do you expect it? Like just, I said, I need three names for who do you think will be in the conversation come April? Who are three people that you expect to be talking? Because it gives you a baseline of what the voters expect going into the season. And okay. a name that popped up a lot was Kevin Durant. So I will ask you, Luka Doncic is currently the favorite to win MVP. Should Kevin Durant, given that a lot of people expect the Nets to be the number one seed in the NBA, let alone the East, and are the title favorite, should Kevin Durant be the favorite to win the most valuable player this season? I do think he should be the favorite. I think he's going to lose points depending on what version of James Harden you get next to him. And I think this is something that happens that has happened historically when you have two teammates of that caliber playing alongside each other. I think you might have, not necessarily, it's not James Harden siphoning votes, but siphoning potential usage, big nights, like just that kind of thing where it might impact Durant's ability to put up the right numbers for MVP to have the right narrative for MVP because I mean there's there's so many different story there's so many different things that play into the MVP vote and 
I think that could be one of them that adversely impacts his his campaign there. Um, when you look at like the other, I mean, some of the other top guys, right? You look at, I guess, what Giannis, Luca, maybe LeBron takes another crack at it. But even LeBron has like the sim- a similar situation with AD, right? Another top player to in consideration playing alongside him. You don't get to say the same for Giannis or for Luca. So when they're going out there, you know, pulling their weight every single night, it looks a little bit different than KD pulling his weight with another former MVP playing alongside him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to uh, short this in part. I think the hard. Oh, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't give you it. I meant I'm shorting it. Yes. Apologize. Well, I didn't it. get I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't give you my actual call on that yeah, one. I apologize. As much as I think Kyrie uh, marches to the beat of his own drum or is a little bit different kind of an individual or is a space cadet, operates on another planet, whatever, however you want to describe Kyrie Irving, I think he eventually plays just because in the end, the money always wins out in the NBA. Kyrie would have to be like the first player to literally be like, I do not care about tens of millions of dollars. But no. but would for for everything that we know about Kyrie Irving to this yep. point, would it be that shocking? No. It really like that's be. that's the crazy thing is like he could just right. up and retire, right? Yep. And just yep. And it like I feel like that wouldn't even I wouldn't even be that phased by it. I'd be like, well, it's on brand. So yeah. like yeah. However, I could all see him like he retires in you know, he retires in, in October and then he comes back in January. Right. Like that's that's just like just as possible. And I think it's I think for the voters, it's gonna be hard to give a guy that's got that level of teammate um the MVP. I think that, that gets I think that gets tough. There is like an ingrained you've got so much help. Like LeBron was unquestionably the best player in the world in 2012 and 13, and there was a big gap and there wasn't another story. Like it was just LeBron, so he won, right? in order for, for KD to get that, he would have to be so far above that you, that even your superstar teammates don't look as good. And I can't believe that's going to happen. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to short it. And that's going to wrap up Stockwatch for this week in the NBA. And I've got one more topic for you, uh, Matt, before we wrap the show up, why do you hate Alper and Shingun so much? <laughs> are you, are you mad that he's the second coming of Nikola Jokic? He did a thing. The other night. Jokic yes, 2.0. You know what? He drew some fouls in that game. I thought that was actually kind of impressive. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what he's going to look like and how it's going to go. Are you higher on him after the first preseason game? Lower? Is he like, have you started chiseling the bust to go in the Hall of Fame? Or are you just oh, I, start, I, I started I started the chiseling immediately after the first summer league game. Okay, um, okay, right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think he, he's got a great nose for the basketball. Um, he understands the game. He plays well beyond his years at this point already. Like just the passing chops, the he's got to worry at five fouls in 13 minutes, which is ridiculous, but that's just, you know, could be translation from Turkish league to NBA basketball. Possibly could just be, you know, he's a 19 year old, you know, still trying to pick up the speed of the game, but he's no, got he's, great instincts. He's endearing himself to Ben Dubose. That's, that's what he's actually like. That's, <laughs> that's not the Ben Dubose shout out on locked on NBA. That's a, Ooh, that's a throwback. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. If you haven't done so already, please make this show your first listen of the day and go make your second listen locked on fantasy basketball. Cause as Matt mentioned earlier, Josh Lloyd is absolutely killing it over there. Locked on fantasy basketball. He is your fantasy guru for all things fantasy basketball. Go check out his show. Make that your second listen. 
But you can check out this show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, as well as our brand new Locked on NBA YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't done so yet. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on NBA Thursday. 